Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflip. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, we may be whispered in the final season of both mm. Bojack Horseman and Podcast Horseman, but you can still call us the front of the plane because we yeah. are all business to begin with you can follow this podcast on twitter or instagram at podcast horseman you can also follow either of your hosts should you choose to do so you can follow me at it's adam nicholas or you can follow michael hamflet at michael hamflet you can get this podcast for the very last season for the very last times on apple Podcasts, where we'd love to subscribe or follow or whatever or uninstall the app if it's broken all your podcast like you did all mine on spotify where you can follow on overcast which i've recently become a big fan of on Amazon, where you can get it for free, despite the fact that everything else will sneakily put a bit of extra charges in that really isn't worth it for the products that you're paying money for. Shops are open again. Go back and give them your money. Really, anyway, you can get podcasts. You can get Podcast Horseman, including on that app, Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. Every Friday, we'll have a new episode that goes up as a stream or as a download through our friends at Acast. You can get it there as well, where you can also subscribe. And on any of those apps where you can leave us feedback, we would love you to do just that with the old five stars, if that's all right. It fools the algorithm into thinking that it's the best podcast in the world when really, you know, we're not arrogant like that. It's the best Bojack podcast in the world, but it's not the best podcast in the world. You can make it seem so. Leave us a five-star review. Get us up the charts. Get more people talking themselves horse about the talking horse. And for the final time, for the final season, we are back to stars on the Hollywood Talk of Fame for those reviews. Another one of those coming at the end of this episode. Yes, indeed, there is. Holy shit. I've heard of being at the end of my rope, Michael, but this is ridiculous because this is the final season. I'm excited. How on earth have we managed to get this far without being cancelled? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, that is in the show, of course, not you of and me. I mean, you you probably got some skeletons in your closet or something, but uh, <laughs> mine's fairly clear at this point, apart from full <laughs> of rather good clothes. Anyway, um, let's dive into this, shall we? For the last season, Michael, for the last, I would say the last time, but it's not. We've got loads more times to come. We do, of course, have, for anybody who's unfamiliar, 16 episodes mm. in this season. An bumper. uncharacteristic length, obviously, bumper bumper season that was split into two at the time. You get the halfway point, I think, is around about episode eight. And then, obviously, there was a break and we came back for the second half of the season. But we begin 
at the beginning, as most good things do. Season six, episode one. A horse walks into a rehab. Bojack checks into pastiches, a Malibu rehab facility where he grapples with memories of Sarah Lynn's death and his own troubled childhood. Same sh- Michael, just a bigger <laughs> fan. <laughs> Indeed. Is this the start of season six or the end of season three? Because we start Ooh. this season with simply the words, quote, Sarah Lynn, Sarah Lynn. It's Bojack, of course, speaking to the deceased Sarah Lynn, leaning on his shoulder. We're back to the observatory. Only the sky above the observatory from the outside is the one that Sarah Lynn and Bojack were staring at inside. It's the projection of the stars that now make up the real life sky of Hollywood. Um, It turns out that the reason we're staring from the outside of the observatory is because Bojack is is outside. The body is being wheeled away by ambulances. This is after the death. Um, obviously, we've seen exactly how she's passed away, um, but we're about to find out for the first time the answer to a question we kind of conveniently forgot to ask along the way. What happened next? Um, Bojack is lying to a policeman, explaining a story that he drove there and found her, passed out, called 911, but it was too late and she sadly died. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. To a policeman? Give the policeman his correct title, please. I mean... Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face is no just a policeman, Michael. Do you know what? I've got in my notes that he rocks up later. Was that Meow Meow Fuzzy Face in the whole scene? I, You know what? I respectfully apologise to Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy All the good work that he's done on the LAPD. <laughs> and I slight him by only giving him a name check halfway through this scene. That is I could a, be wrong. Like, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm fairly confident it's Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face and uh, I would hate to upset him. You've got me more bang to rights than that Meow Meow would ever do. So respect to you as well. Um, but yes, <laughs> hello, he is. hello, teenager. <laughs> he is. I, that's exactly how he would address me. That's how bad he is, is, John. He is lying all the same about what's happened. Um, he's also apologizing to uh, a grieving mother in hospital, which is pretty heartbreaking. Uh, she blames herself, um, but her partner says, quote, it's no one's fault as she weeps, as Bojack kind of like stilts awkwardly on the spot, knowing exactly whose fault it is. Um, He's accosted by Miyama Fuzzy Face and, amongst uh, other things, tries to tell him the truth. This very much mirrors what we saw when Meow Meow was uh, like trying very badly to uh, conduct a drugs bust in the last season with Bojack and Hollyhock. He's not asking any questions. He's not even asking the wrong ones. He's just not asking any at all. Bojack is trying to force feed him this information about what's actually happened. But Meow Meow is like tripping over himself to explain to him that the case is closed, that there is no further questions. <laughs> Did you not hear me? I'm done with this whole thing. They're completely um, content with the Bojack that the story is told. And I guess the expectation that maybe Sarah Lynn was kind of on a road to ruin from what they'd known about her in her previous life. Uh, Bojack says, quote, i got to make some changes to my life starting now. But then go, goes back to his car, uh, opens it. We get that kind of like the noise of all the bottles falling out. And we see the silhouette of him swigging from that last full bottle. The credits roll, only they don't. They're broken up by a lovely transition that appears to be like sort of liquid, almost like pooling together and then separating back off. That's kind of the way I felt to describe it. We see that transition a couple of times in the episode. And it's Bojack ringing the bell at rehab, which is where obviously season five ended with Diane dropping him off. He's at Pastiches. Um, he gets the attention of the receptionist. We find out that he's going to be charged $100,000 for a six-week stay. Um, but he stubbornly refuses to take a selfie with the receptionist. He notes like kind of a wall of fame behind him of all the other celebrities that have checked in. Um, 
Bojack says, quote, I would like to start the process of healing so I can start hurt, so I can stop hurting the people around me. Ditch. So he's full of rage. <laughs> to the point where he has been driven to distraction by the receptionist, receptionist request for a selfie, but he's obviously still pretty rattled. Um, we're going to move into a montage after that. So in the place of the credits that we didn't get, that feels like a nice point to stop. That feels like the closure of the cold open, if you can call it that for this episode. Um, it's freezing cold. Um, unlike Sarah Lynn's body, which was still pretty warm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting that we never stopped once. Amazing diversion of this show. And I remember this was definitely the point where we were watching this live together. I think maybe for the first time. And I remember like one of the first observations beyond popping daft for the uh, the sky being the, the observatory sky was that how amazing it was that they diverted our attention from ever wondering what happened to Sarah Lynn. It's a news broadcast, if I'm not mistaken. Tom Grumbo Jumbo says Sarah is dead. And then it's just, we're, we're all meow meow fuzzy face. It's no further questions. She's dead. That's that. There was never the thought of a criminal investigation, shall we say, into her passing. And here is the first time that that, like, that awkward reality shows itself to us and how it played out. They take a play, I would say, Michael, out of some of our favourite TV shows. Um, the Sopranos is one that comes to mind. Uh, the Mad Men would obviously follow that and, and maintain a similar pattern where they would advance the storyline but they would not they would leave it for you to make up the gaps because that's how life works isn't it like some you yeah. don't get all the information all of the time you don't get to go play by play i think this is a really good example of how you can use a format that everybody knows already and play with it and then go actually here's a question you need to ask yourself because for like them ending episode 11 with Sarah Lynn dying uh, mm. back in season three and Bojack saying, Sarah Lynn, Sarah Lynn. And then the episode opens up. I think you're right. He's watching the TV. I feel like maybe it's either, it might be the broadcast of a, the day of a funeral, maybe. Bojack's, I've seen to recall, he's in a suit. I don't know if he's already been or if he's going. I think he's already been, if I'm not mistaken. Because they talk about how difficult the funeral was, but they deliberately have skirted over all of that. We've heard it through context that they all went there and it was this and it was that, but we never actually saw it. We never got any of that. We just because it's such a lot to take in, isn't it? It's just so mm. much going on. You kind of forget you forget to ask the question out loud, don't you? Like, yeah, because what of, the, you, what of the family or what of Bojack or yeah, whatever. You know? But I think the, I guess the big blow of it is that how it, in real life the reset button would be pressed. Like it probably wouldn't be until later until he started digging into these conversations. Obviously, yes, if it was a police investigation, usually you'd expect it would. Fascinating, though, that they've waited a, a whole season or two seasons, whatever it is. Season? Mm. Two seasons? At this two point, yeah. to start revisiting this question, to start asking it once again. But you can't tell me you weren't like, oh, you can get those, first of all, those horrible pangs of dread when you see the sirens um, yeah. in that little intro that breaks through the opening credits. That, Burn out, if I believe. It's like, like a film burning out on a uh, mm, reel, almost, yeah. that melted uh, film reel. But really nicely done this. And, yeah, I guess given the fact that even in the own synopsis of this episode, uh, we get told where, where Bojack grapples with memories of Sarah Lynn's death and his own troubled childhood, I felt I feel like they weren't wasting any time here, were they? No. It's, uh, like I like as well, before we get, you know, we're going to get onto rehab immediately. Um, knowing that that was what was coming, she we kind of learnt this as we were trudging through the harshest episodes of a, of a loaded season five. Sarah Lynn was always the outlier. It was the one thing he seemed to refuse to acknowledge, and it was a way I'd never really noticed in my 
prior watches until we recorded it, every single other thing he was starting to justify or I don't want to say make peace with, but be able to like vocalize and talk about where he failed. Even New Mexico, the big reveal yeah. with Diane, you know, all of that sort of stuff, the stuff that you would imagine he would have wanted to keep most buried of all. She was a fucking child. Um, but it's not, it's Sarah Lynn. It's Sarah Lynn's death. And even then, we're just thinking it's too hard for him to revisit. And the reality is, it's not just too hard for him to revisit. There's legal implications that put him in seriously deep shit if that ever comes out. And that completely reframes why he was wanting to push that back down last season. Mm. And it makes it about something else entirely. I think it reframes a lot if we're dealing with this kind of missing information with mm. the police, which is obviously given to us very early in the episode. It suddenly reframes everything, doesn't it? I think like there's a different context there. But again, much like when Anna Sponacobra gives Diane the tape and you know reveals the smoking gun about uh, New Mexico, we just it's another reminder of stuff we just you put at the back burner when you become yeah. an accomplice of poor Jack Horseman's, whether you like yeah, it or not. It. Accomplice is the word. But this is the nice side of being the accomplice of a garbage human like Bojack Horseman, because you all want to see the growth and improvement. We get a pastiches montage. Um, he's in group therapy, sleep therapy, hike therapy, art therapy, visiting therapy, plant therapy, yoga therapy, horse therapy, and <laughs> quote, so much more. It's presented through a montage of holiday postcards of Bojack very sort of gradually improving in his ability to be a patient in rehab, I guess. Um, he starts miserable in all of them. Um, but he sees the Sarah Lynn selfie at the desk with the receptionist having that she's checked in. And it seems to give him a bit of an awakening. And that's finally where things actually get going from in pastiches. Um, the kind of chief motif they use to show, as with all montages, to show sort of progress is a mountain. Um, they use obviously the literal climbing of a mountain. He can barely make it up this like first part of the hill before he's knackered and needs to be carried away, which ultimately as the montage progresses and as he starts to like, grow into rehab and its methods by the end he reaches the very top of the mountain and he looks out on the horizon takes a deep breath and you know we're seeing we're seeing growth and we're seeing improvement we find him back in group therapy um, and he's bang into it he's a little bit evasive as we've seen before whenever confronted with a difficult question um meanwhile in horse therapy which brilliantly is him in like a stable outside in a field, but getting therapy the way that you would get therapies, lying down on the couch, having somebody ask him all the like the, the key questions and make the key points and stuff. He's still deflecting. Um, he's quite insightful. He's struggling with being, quote, powerless, when one of the reasons he believes he's come to rehab is to take responsibility. We saw that, of course, at the very end of season five, where he was begging Diane to do the hit piece on him. He, he wants, seemingly, to take responsibility in a way that might alleviate him of the guilt and the shame and everything else that drives him to the drink and the drugs. But his therapist is just hits him with a ton of like cod therapy phrases that go too long to even appease him effectively. Um, but it's all like, like it's, it's a parody of therapist speak and, and that type of like lexicon, but it does at least offer him um, a way out. If he's not going to take verbal responsibility, the therapist allows him to leave. Um, very literally so, in fact, offers him the gate code by saying, quote, 12, the number of steps in our programme, plus my mother's birthday, which is the uh, 4th of March, 1956, which Bojack at that point noticed that, what, so one, two, three, four, five, six, um, which, again, I think is there to undermine the fact that they're kind of mocking bad therapy in this scene in general. 
Um, but ultimately, he offers him the passcode and Bojack says no. We go next to art class, where Bojack's honesty is questioned. So in, again, a sort of defensive rebuttal, he outs the minor lies of the other patients, the people he's been getting to know in therapy. Um, he shoots hardest on a girl called Jameson, including revealing that her friend is still sneaking booze into the uh, interpastiches, obviously when she's supposed to be doing it clean. Um, we find out that it's Jameson's fifth time there, um, and it's ultimately not working, says Bojack. He kind of like questions the merit of this if she's kind of needing to go back time after time after time, and it's costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. He reckons if you need it more than once, it's got to be on the person or on the rehab place if it doesn't work. He kind of wants to make it more of a binary thing, than, which again kind of shows that he's not quite yet ready to just open himself up fully to it. He's setting parameters and rules that aren't pastiches, mm -hmm. they're his own. Um, and he ends that rant with saying, quote, how's that for honesty? Which again is this giant, ultimately it's just fundamentally a giant rebuttal to the fact that somebody was maybe calling him on his bullshit a little bit. Um, we find him in his room at night time later on after another day of therapy uh, when Jameson bursts in. Um, Bojack's obviously heard a story in group therapy before. Um, her mother died, her father put her in boarding school and has since had a baby with somebody new and now she gets no none of the attention that she used to get. Um, she thinks that the father has just shipped her off there to get her out of the way to sort of stop causing trouble in the life now that they're raising a new baby together. Um, so Bojack kind of feels at least a certain kindred spirit with her for all the troubles he had in what he believes to be a similarly like abusive parenting type relationship and an abusive upbringing. He kind of is able to see the things that went wrong in his life happening to her, that it's not particularly her fault why things have gone that way which again speaks to this fact that he's kind of making up the rules for why people should be there or why they shouldn't. He gives her the um, gate code and a way to escape. Um, he explains how she can tie the sheets together and get out the window, but that, and we haven't had one of these for a long time, gives us a flashback to horsing around. Um, it's of the uh, sheets tied together in an episode of Horsing Around, where Sabrina's done just that. She's escaped the room, uh, she's upset that the horse has started a new relationship with model Cindy Crawfish. That's <laughs> uh, typical Herb Kazaz 80s, 90s sitcom writing about um, a random celebrity guest star suddenly coming into the family's lives and becoming a key central character in it. Um, they kiss in the scene, um, which Herb calls a cut on. And in between the shoots, he lectures Bojack about the kiss getting the wrong reaction from the kind of cliched sitcom audience. Uh, they go for a, oh, instead of a, ooh, which to Herb means that there's not the quite the, the sexual frantic energy that you want mm. between Bojack and Cindy. Um, Herb leaves and Bojack takes a swig of some orange juice, which the makeup artist Sharona has added some booze to. Um, we cut again via the, the same melting film transition from that we got in the credits to Bojack kissing Cindy Crawfish and this time getting the reaction from the audience that Herb desperately wanted. He's full of beans, he's half cut, doing his job and wants another take, quote, acting with Cindy because he's obviously gotten into it a lot. Um, we cut back to present day after that, so that feels like a nice time to stop. A lot here. Um, we've introduced Jameson. We've learned a little bit about what's working and what's not, I guess, for Bojack and Rehab. And for what is going to be a recurring theme in this episode, it's kind of a, a history of Bojack and the Bottle, dished out over several chapters, this being one of the first. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed the way this episode was broken down. Like, the flashbacks, 
as you say, it feels like it's. I know we've had flashbacks, but it feels like a while since we've had these type of flashbacks, very specifically horsing around based. And like seeing seeing Herb almost was a bit of a, a bit of a mm. jewel of the system as well. I think I think that wasn't um, accidental by any means. I don't believe bringing back another man who's passed away in Bojack's past. Ironically, um, but yeah, seeing these flashbacks on the horse and around set though, and like that is the the first of many we see we've seen in the previous season a reminder about Sharona on a few occasions. Uh, Bojack when he was talking to Diane mentioned it in just a brief passing before they had that big explosive conversation uh, and then we also get the moment in that like psychedelic trip he's having with uh, Gina when she does the, the, the song and dance and we see it as one of the illustrations she's back she, yeah, here she is we've been waiting for this we'll get a little a little hint towards sort of what's going on there the fact that she's given him the drink mm. initially not with his consent either which feels really interesting like she just gives him the orange juice without telling him what's in it and he drinks it and there's a weird i always remember thinking there's a weird dynamic there uh, and as you say we're going to get more of this as the episode goes on an exploration of that side of things i always remember thinking it was really interesting that he didn't really have a say in that and that was hmm. like it was forced upon him shall we say rather than him just openly being like i need alcohol right this second um but going back to his we're kind of doing this in reverse i guess but going back to his uh, the Wonderful montage while he's actually at pastiches. Uh, just seeing the way the struggle went from being like brutal, him kind of even weaning himself off drugs essentially as well, mm. which was horrible. Uh, and then to get to the point where he does finally get through the other end, like miniature growth, I guess almost. But then we can see yeah. still that attitude of, I like that this is helping people, but I don't really need to be here. It's not for me when it comes to the sharing side of things, at least. But he definitely seems to be engaged in the group activities and things like that. Just a lot less so when it comes to actually talking about myself. What a surprise, eh? <laughs> it's, it's always the goddamn thing. It's just it just felt true, didn't it? I think they didn't want to patronise you with the montage equals magic fix. Just because yes. he's cracked this, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's on board with all of it. Yeah, and I think the in terms of Jameson, interesting to see how he kind of starts to relate to her situation immediately. I think it's interesting that they've tried to introduce her as this another young woman in a struggling situation. There's all the parallels we can see between her and Sarah Lynn. They're very deliberately there and his sort of tying into her own situation. As soon as she mentions the magic words, Michael, of bad parents, he's he's on board, isn't he? He wants to, wants to give her the gate code and send her on the way. <laughs> The very um, secretive gate code. <laughs> well, back with uh, present day Bojack. Um, and he hears and sees Jameson sneaking out, taking the advice that he gave her about using the um, the sheets to get out the window. So realising, I guess, like, again, this is what we're talking about, like kind of at least having the remorse and wanting to do better by somebody, having made so many mistakes with young women in his past. Um, he catches up with her and he tries to talk her around. He tries to get her not to bother. Um in his words, he doesn't want to have to, quote, lie to people about what happened if she ODs. Um, you know, that's as kind of like the, the naked truth as it can be about like how everything now is going to be related to Sarah Lynn or, again, the various women he has hurt through even just the time we spent with him. So he goes with her, ostensibly to stop her doing just that. He believes if he's in the room, at least he can stop her doing the damage to herself. Um, they arrive at a wild house party scene where she wants to confront her boyfriend, Dathan. Um, Bojack 
battled his own demons about drinking in the meantime, obviously, by walking into this giant frat party where there's booze everywhere, um, which results in a, another flashback, this time about a young Bojack, teenage Bojack, at a house party. Um, he bonds awkwardly with a girl that he's known from his Spanish class. There's a frisson of a romantic interest between the two. They're just kids, but it's like they're kind of like having their first sort of forays into romance together. Um, but when he notices that she's seemingly impressed by a big jock who's swigging it's a rhino i think but swigging from the like the keg literally lifting it up yes. and taking a swig from it um he looks over at that he sees that maybe she's been like wowed by that he decides to have just the one beer just to kind of take the edge off cut to bojack doing and i mean it's rotten it's crap but doing the kind of a teenager's version of what they believe to be a fantastic stand-up set where he's in the middle of the room he's taking the stage he's skewering his classmates one by one the patter is absolutely rubbish but it's a bunch of pissed kids so the standards are incredibly low and he's getting laughs for these rubbish jokes at people's expense <laughs> for example quote speaking of losers there's josh like that's the <laughs> whole line that's the whole line mocks the kid for being poor but that's enough gets a big gag um they're getting empty laughs obviously so he's buzzing off it and he cuts a little bit too close to the bone with katie who we find out is the name of the girl that he's been previously flirting with uh including a pot shot at her appearance just while he's on a one it's real piece of garbage stuff um again you can tell he's half cut but he's in with the jocks and drinking heavily so i guess for that night he's gotten more of what he wanted than what he was willing to sacrifice over the case of a few beers. Um, we cut back to present day. He's uh, at the party now. Um, Dathan, Jameson's boyfriend, and her friend, McCaitlin, who was the one sneaking in booze, fantastic names, are all over each other. They're necking on at the party. There are these two connections that Jameson had with the outside world that weren't the parents that she hates, and now they're getting off with each other at a party, seemingly while she's been gone to rehab for the umpteenth time. They don't really care about it. Even when she sees them and breaks it up, and she's in floods of tears, they're not really bothered. They're not that arsed. Um, she goes to take a drink just to get through it, but Bojack convinces her to go to bed instead. Let's just get out of there, go to bed. Neither of us needs to drink. But instead, she wants to go and chew out her dad. She puts him at the root of all of this, to which Bojack gives her the perfect way of doing it. Steal Dathan's car, which she does straight away, yeah. and they're on the way. He didn't necessarily give her the instruction, but he told her, well, if you wanted, it's the gate code all over again. Well, if you want to do it, you'd have to do X, Y, and Z. Sure enough, she stole his car straight away, and they're on the way at the dad's. Um, Bojack grumbles at this point at the situation he's found himself in, yet more work he's going to have to do tonight. And he spies a phone on the floor and decides to make a call to somebody that could potentially fix all this. Before we get to that, what would you take on all of this? I have thoroughly enjoyed watching the way Bojack using his many, many skills in the department of being a stupid piece of shit, um, <laughs> has sort of enabled and equipped Jameson with these new skills, like, um, that she wouldn't have even thought of had she not met him. And this is that impossible thing we always keep going back to in this show. He doesn't want to be that guy, I don't think. You know, we hear this frequently. But he's everything he touches everything <laughs> whether he means it or not just goes down this he has a negative effect on things you know what i mean there's not many people who can say they've interacted with bojack horseman and they are better for it or and something bad has not come of it and yeah 
he doesn't even mean to be giving her these skills and these tips, but he's essentially enabling her and her behaviours in, in ways that she wouldn't have normally had access to. And it is a, I, I think we've had this a little bit in the past uh, with last season, I think, where we've seen how the sort of it's a it's a good commentary on the pitfalls and the sort of complications that come with places like rehab. You know, like it's it, the bringing a lot of like-minded people or people who are going through similar problems can also bring with it like a communication between people, which might end up leading people down paths they wouldn't have necessarily gone on. Rather than getting better, they could potentially get worse if someone teaches someone who is already susceptible to certain things how to do even more of them or how to do them better. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, it's a dangerous mixing of minds at times, although obviously there can be the, the pros to that, which you can help each other get through stuff. That is certainly a common thing that happens. Um, and I, I thought it was really interesting how they highlight that in this. Bojack, whether he means to or not, has got many years of experience on this on <laughs> young last Jameson, and he's given another cheat sheet on how to get better at being not good. <laughs> It's very strange, like I, I like to kind of call on that and then pair it with the specific flashback we got here. Mm. It's like enabling is absolutely the world. Like it's absolutely the word. It's here's how you can do this. Here's how you can do this. Here's how you can do this. But he believes in his heart that if he goes with her, he's going to stop her doing what she shouldn't. Like she can do all these things, but she mustn't do that one last thing. And yeah. that's what he's trying to stop her doing. And I think it's interesting that that is paired with what was probably the first time in his life, and it's only verbally, obviously, but the first time in his life, he was abusive to a woman, which is verbally abusive to Katie on the beer, getting pissed at a party. Um, it's taken over half of his life to address that. And and not just the being abusive to women, the booze, the lack of self-control, the lack mm. of the indis indiscipline, all that sort of stuff. But I think it's interesting that you've gone from the first time to the last time. Like, this is the time he wants to be better by somebody, in the case of Jameson, a young girl. And it takes us all the way back to the first time he did a young girl really, really dirty. Mm. And you just, you wouldn't be able to do, I can't imagine how long the episode would have to be if we went through a flashback of all of the women in mm. his life that he'd done wrong as a result of his narcissistic tendencies and his out-of-control alcoholism and drugs yeah. taken, probably. Like... An endless amount of people could probably fit that criteria. Um, but yeah, they've done a lot, even at this point in the episode, they've done such a lot to kind of give you the many avenues that have created Bojack Horseman, the horseman. Um, and then, <laughs> but also, they've made you, they've done it again, haven't they? You can see it in him. He, he wants, he's trying, he's trying, he's failing, but he's trying to be better. <laughs> and I think it's, we've, it feels like a while since we said this because he really was a dirtbag. But it's we're back to Bojack the viewer's avatar again. It's felt like a long time. And when you see the kind of positives and you see the the attempts to make changes, I wouldn't necessarily say on his side, but it's almost like you're Bojack. Whereas he's taking Jameson out and he knows she's gonna do all these wrong things, but you want ultimately you're not to cross that one line. You're kind of yeah. like that with Bojack. You're willing to watch him go out to this house party, but you also don't want him to pick up the drink. You kind of want him to get through mm. this night and then get to the next one unscathed. And I, I think it's quite interesting in the way that he's doing a pretty ropey job of being her guardian angel. We, the viewer, are doing an equally ropey job of being his. I feel like you've come up with something really quite interesting there in that with Bojack and being the avatar, 
and we're supposed to kind of go along with him. There's a, there's a very distinctive point in season five where it cuts off and he starts making the very bad choices again and you, you're not really with him. Bojack is that feeling of, of wanting to do better yourself, isn't it? Like, mm. you want to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Like, if you were in yeah. his shoes, even if you've got a track record of continually, like, you know, contradicting your own word or not delivering the goods even when you're supposed to, you want to believe that you're going to do it. Like, we've all had a situation like that probably in our lives. It kind of transfers onto Bojack, doesn't it? Where you, mm. I want to believe that he's going to do it this time. <laughs> Much like Diane probably has for quite some time. But mm. I want to believe it. And yet, I almost know <laughs> the outcome. But we want to believe, much like something else that is happening right now in the year 2021, during a time when there's a large tournament, we want to believe, Michael. <laughs> and we still believe. I mean... That's quite relevant because Jameson is obviously coming home as well. Um, <laughs> we were with Bojack and a phone in his hand. Um, you're Bojack. You're at a party. United's going off the rails. You're worried. Who are you going to call? Tyan! Oh, we would love a taco bell. Um, Diane, <laughs> on the other end of the phone, and I cannot tell you in this episode specifically, exactly at that point, the relief when Diane appeared in the other half of the screen. Um, <laughs> Bojack has rang Diane to ask for Jameson's dad's address. Yeah. <laughs> because he believes it to be good. She is. She's an ultimate fixer. Um, what we learn from only a brief shot is that Diane's at a motel trying to sleep um, and can't help. Of course she can't help. Uh, she's, he wants Jameson's dad's address. Um, but... Bojack is frustrated with Diane's inability to help in the middle of the night, get a stranger's address. So he asks us to patch him through to Todd um, at this <laughs> point. And I, and I hadn't made this connection, but Diane says, call him yourself. And he says he can't because he's not on his phone, is he? He's on one that he picks up off the ground, but he knows Diane's number by heart. He doesn't know Todd's. He needs that baby, number. Baby Bjorn Borg, Michael. That's, That's it. Why. Another one of those really, really beautiful connections between the two. Um, which is funny because as a result of kind of being almost, I don't know, having a ego massage perhaps by Bojack's admission of that, she sort of begrudgingly patches him through to Todd. <laughs> we find Todd, like the, the screen cut into three at this point, you've got Bojack in one panel, Diane another one, and now we cut to Todd, who was, uh, gets lost. Uh, Todd obviously, you know, is ready to help him, but first tells an absolutely absurd tale of winning a hacky sack game. It's just peak Todd content that I, I you know, I won't spoil all of for the people that really want to enjoy the, the gag in full flourish in the episode. Um, but before Todd can do the thing and help get Jameson's dad's address, he gets a call. It's Princess Carolyn making up the fourth panel of this phone call now that has now gone through to her. She's called Todd because she sent him down to this slightly seedy area for some black market porcupine milk. It's at that point, Ooh. see while working at her desk, she is trying to rock her porcupine baby to sleep. Princess Carolyn is having it all. And we only get a slither of it this episode, but it's nice to see all the same. Um, he's got it, but he's now got to get on a crowded bus full of dodgy looking porcupines in a very rough period of town with this porcupine milk. So he's not going to be able to help Bojack Horseman with his quest to get Jameson's dad's number. Um, Princess Carolyn then gets a call from Mr. Peanut Butter, 
who's <laughs> caused a flood on the set of his new movie, which is mostly just a setup for another ridiculous Princess Carolyn tongue twister, because they know at this point they can completely take the piss with these. It's season six. Treat yourself. So everybody on the call at this point hangs up, but Diane, who is left with Bojack, um, at which point a stressed Bojack hangs up on her, which doesn't all seem fair, but that's the way the cookie tends to crumble for Diane. Um, he gets Jameson's information off some drunk party goer <laughs> whose phone he stole um, and finds himself in an incredibly posh, luxurious house, even posher than his, even sort of fancier than his place that we used to in Hollywood. Um, in Hollywood, excuse me. Uh, it turns out that Jameson's dad loves film rem uh, memorabilia. There's uh, bits of stuff from films, props all over the place. Um, but it's turned Jameson's room into the baby room, despite having all this incredible space, a bit of a cardinal family sin there. Um, we see a red car parked in the living room. Um, it's the car from Ferris Bueller's day off in his <laughs> lounge. And Jameson goes to smash it up with a bat that I didn't have my notes, but I believe to be another significant film prop as well. Um, Bojack talks her down and then back to rehab, manages to calm her at the, at the best, sort of at the peak of her rage, talks her down and says, let's just go back to rehab, call it at night. We get another flashback there. So it feels like a nice time to take a pause for the cause and talk about this tremendous call. And what is, for the only time in this episode, the whole gang, not quite together, but kind of together. Like, I will just say this. There's no reason for this phone call other than this, to have all the gang together on screen. But you aren't mad about this. Anybody who's sitting there going, well, what was the point? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> this was so lush, man, seeing all five of them together on screen. Just kind of a little a little bit of intrigue as to where they all are, but nowhere near telling you anywhere near as much. Like, Diane, we don't know why, why is she in the motel. What's she doing there? Who knows, Michael? She's half asleep. She's wearing... a like a trademark green uh, dressing gown rather than a, like, a <laughs> which I thought was quite a cute touch. Like Todd, obviously down the alley in Porcupine Town, you get Princess Carolyn at home with the kid. We also get who I guess we're calling still untitled Princess Carolyn project at this mm -hmm. point. We don't know because these <laughs> are all lovely lines that they sort of have, have opened up for us. Five new narratives or four new narratives at least. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what's going to happen, Mr. Peter, but as well, in the most obscene, over-the-top, he has a way to set up a brilliant tongue-twister gag <laughs> you are ever going to see. The amount of stuff that floats past him is ridiculous. But yes, love seeing all them together. And I just... This isn't a show where you're going to get all the hugging and all the learning, Michael. I think we know that. But it, that was a nice little moment, wasn't it? It was lovely, that. It was. It like You're right as well. It's the sort of thing where it's it's too sweet to be you can't be mad at it because it's just too sweet you get this like this just 30 second bit of daft plotting that goes nowhere just for the excuse to line them all up, literally line them up one next to another and what i would say is as well uh, if you have the inclination to do so you will get lots of entertainment out of re-watching this scene over and over again but watch the different lines while people are talking so obviously when there's the five of them you can keep your eye on just Bojack's line and see what he's doing, or on Diane's, and each time they're doing something different. It's quite oh, funny. Great. If you're not paying attention, it's like they're not nothing that I would point out that I've ended up overly noting on this because I feel like it's more of a watch for yourself. But mm. it is entertaining to see how they're all doing their different things. Well, they're ultimately just sat on a call waiting, most of them, for the yeah. conversation elsewhere to finish off. But in terms of um, 
what a great house this is, of course. Jameson's Jameson's house we turn up with all the memorabilia. I thought that was great. Obviously, we've got more on that to come later on. But uh, yeah, man, there's just a lot going on. A lot going on at this point. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really quite nice talking about that, wasn't it? So let's uh, talk about something nasty instead. Let's get to this. Another dark flashback to young Bojack and booze. In this case, he's uh, knocking on Butterscotch's office door. He's uh, taking a cold dinner to work because Butterscotch didn't come home. Um, and the noises from his office don't sound great. The kind of noises that a kid shouldn't be walking in on. Sure enough, young Bojack goes in with a dinner and finds his father about to have sex with a work colleague at his desk. Uh, Butterscotch forces um, the woman out the door very quickly. He's hassled, but that's about it. He's just a little bit sort of irked that Bojack got in the way of the sex, not particularly showing any obvious signs of shame or discomfort or anything like that. Um, And in the moment, decides to force a Jack Daniels and Coke on Bojack, says that this should be a, a big father and son bonding moment and to take the drink. He thinks he's old enough now, this this like sort of great sort of opportunity for the two of them rather than this disaster that has actually occurred. Um, Bojack's really young here, too young for Jackson Cooks, which is why the next cut is to um, Bojack feeling rough in the car on the way home. Um, so, Amazing detail, but it's awful all the same. There's some vomit on the collar of his jacket, where he's obviously thrown up the uh, the Jack Daniels and Coke, um, or he's at least been sick. Um, Butterscotch says Bojack, quote, made a mess on his carpet and manipulates that situation so that they, quote, both forget what happened tonight. He has literally plied his young son with booze so he would embarrass himself enough that they have now a shared secret that they must keep to just sort of make this whole situation go away. Um, it's really ugly stuff. Um, we snap back to Bojack back in the present day and he starts smashing the car up. This, fla- this flashback has yet again drawn that line that he believes is there between him and Jameson about it's really the parents have put them in this situation and she should do what she needs to get this out of the system and he's going to do it too. He's going to smash this car with the bat. Um, he's in solidarity with her now. The car just as in Ferris Bueller, heads towards the window. It's going to sort of smash through this gorgeous floor-to-ceiling window and go to God knows where, as in Ferris Bueller, off a cliff. But instead, it just bounces off it. Um, the car just sort of like very gingerly rolls backwards, but the window is cracked and smashes. So the car stays put, but the window collapses, and the smashing of the window wakes the baby. You hear the baby crying. Jameson's father comes out holding the crying baby at which point Jameson quickly flips and pins everything that's happened on Bojack. She goes full kind of whiny, entitled, bratty daughter just to sort of get herself out of this potentially troubling situation. She dashes off, uh, but her dad is wise to all of this. Um, he knows that Bojack's not really at fault. Um, and then he notes, interestingly, that the movie props that we can see everywhere in his house are actually from actors that have busted her out of rehab before and sent him them as keep quiet gestures. He sees Bojack as no different to, based on the artifacts, several actors that has busted out of rehab in the past. Um, and in one final twist, it turns out that the baby is Jameson's and the father is taking care of it. Um, it's all very sort of, I don't know, like it all kind of goes like quite sort of quiet and soft 
and there's a bit of a mutual understanding between Bojack and older man and Jameson's father, his age in their kind of maybe their own shared failings with Jameson, perhaps it's just a kind of a moment of silent solidarity between the two. Um, but it's over the, the the last cut, which is of the baby crying but giggling a bit in its basket. Um, there's almost as if to suggest that like maybe some good can come of this messy situation because this baby typically in television like represents a bit of hope and optimism and growth for the future. And um, we cut back to the morning and uh, Bojack and Jameson are indeed back at Pastiches. Um, she's not learned much. She's not particularly picked up any lessons from it. But the important thing was they've kept on a straight and narrow, relatively speaking. They've not drank, they've not done drugs. He's not had a night with Jameson like he did with Sarah Lynn on that fateful day. Um, Bojack goes back in through reception. Um, Jameson's obviously sneaking back in, but Bojack sort of resolves that he's too old to be doing that sort of thing now. So he just goes in and fronts up to it, and he's finally humble enough to have a selfie with the receptionist that goes on the back wall. He also signs up for six more weeks, so we know that's another $100,000 invested, but he is at least committed to the cause, I suppose. Um, Bojack goes back to his room and looks at a water bottle with vodka in that he'd confiscated from Jameson early in the episode. Interesting here, the liquid in the bottle when he looks at it is the starry sky from the observatory. When we see it from a distance, it's vodka, obviously, which looks like water, which is a, a cute reference to something Jameson has said in the episode. It's the, the fault of the vodka makers for making booze mm. that looks like water. But he is seeing it as a stark and real reminder of the night that Sarah Lynn died. Obviously, his ties to alcohol and everything that comes with that. And we get our final flashback, which it's just too hard. It's too hard. Um, childhood Bojack, youngest Bojack in the, the sort of the Popeye sailory kind of suit thing. He's in the house. Both of his parents are just passed out pissed on the sofa. Um, he looks around at this room, the sort of the post party detritus in the room. Uh, and he takes his first swig of vodka, at least I guess we assume his first swig of vodka, at which point he curls up asleep with Beatrice. Um, that allows one last transition, the same as we've seen all throughout the episode, and we hit the credits. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, 
Aren't you glad we're back, eh? <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, man. This show from Dear Dot really has kind of spent a lot of time diving into the way that the relationships between parents and children can, you know, ultimately impact one another in both ways, but specifically parents through to their children. And they really kind of dive into it all here, don't they? They sort of show the parallels. And I think that one of the big moments for me was when Bojack and uh, Jameson's dad, as you said, are sort of sitting there talking to one another. Is Bojack understands suddenly that this guy is very, very different to anything he's ever had in his life. He, yeah. This is a parent who actually cares. This is a parent who would do anything to try and help his kids uh, be, to be better, to be healthier, to, you know, get what she needs and that's not something he never had but mm. while Bojack might have all the, the money he might be able to pay to get into pastiches twice <laughs> I have no trouble there like I think you, see, you really see something in Jameson's in Jameson's dad who was also taken on this kid that isn't even his this is his yeah. his grandchild mm. that he's now looking after full time and and uh, to then have that book ended with, so we'll have that moment and book ended with the reality of Bojack's childhood, which he's remembering where, you know, he's got two parents who couldn't care less. They are self-absorbed, mm. who do not, have no interest whatsoever in him, uh, particularly. And he's left alone to the point where he could just drink vodka freely from a bottle. A stark reminder. It's great, this, because they know what they're doing, don't they? Mm-hmm. Because we're, he's just earned himself at least another episode worth of good faith there by having a real crap childhood. Even though, <laughs> until the cows come home, we will bang that drum that Todd was banging in season three about how you can't just do things to people because things happen to you. But then every now and again, they'll give you a flashback like that, which really makes you think, like, this this horse hasn't had much of a chance, has he? From the very first starting gun that went off, he has not had mm. much of a chance, really, has he? I think that's it. I think whenever they delve into the specificity of just how shitty it was, as you say, it kind of like it'll give him just a little tiny bit more rope. I mean, and he always hangs himself with it, always. Always. But you, you give him it. <laughs> you, you enable that. Yeah, again, you know. Because you want to believe that people can be better. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fascinating the way they do this show and fascinating the way they make you think about the greater things in life. But... That is the end of our narrative analysis so far in this episode, which means for the first time in season six, Michael, it's time for the segment of the show that we like to call Horsing Around, where we go through each uh, scene and moment within the episode, break it down and find all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, the small details you might have missed, or indeed the Easter eggs throughout the episode. Whew, just need a minute to get to, to recompose myself there after all this drama that was going on at the end of the episode. Anyway. We go back to the very beginning of A Horse Walks Into Rehab. What a great, into a rehab. I always love that title. We start off at, um, well, let's start with the opening credits, or lack thereof, shall we say. Mm. Because obviously normally we would break down what's changed and what's different this time round, and you'd be thinking, I'm sure when everybody was watching this thing, a brand new season, what's going to happen? Well, nothing (laughs) is the answer. (laughs) The way they burn this out and melt it out, it was a really good way to tell you that this is not going to be the start you were looking for. And obviously they delivered in so many ways, even though there was plenty of hope, I think we can both agree within this episode, just maybe punctuated 
different times. Mm -hmm. um, we go to Pastiches, uh, the rehabilitation centre where Bojack is. Um, let's start off with the fact that, I mean, we, as soon as we get to reception, I just found it hilarious. The clerk, the clerk who's behind the uh, reception desk is a little groundhog who just keeps popping up, like popping his little head out <laughs> from underneath the desk where he clearly just stays and lives, you know, as if he would pop his head out of a hole almost. Yeah. Very cute little uh, cute little gag, this. Um, but then also just the brilliant bit of dialogue here, Bojack saying to him, now if you'll kindly direct me to my room, I would like to begin the process of healing so I can finally stop hurting the people around me, dip as you pointed out earlier. <laughs> Just such a great exclamation of Bojack, really, that he doesn't. I'm here, but I'm not yet. I'm not here because you want me here, uh, <laughs> or to help you in any way, shape, or form. Then, of course, we get the breakdown, as you said, the montage, which I've separated into the types of therapy, um, and I'll just kind of pick the highlights that we get as we go through. So we get the first shot of group therapy, and one of the notable people you'll see in group therapy, Michael, who's also with Bojack, Bojack. Bojack, who's also with Bojack, <laughs> is one Sissy Stilton, Michael. Do you know who Sissy Stilton ah, is? That's got to be a Stilton relative. It is, it is indeed. It is the brother of one Ralph Stilton, uh, who oh you God. will see is sitting in the group therapy session, listening on attentively uh, while the conversation is happening with uh, Dr. Champ, of course, who is yeah. given the session. Sleep therapy gets mentioned as well. Then we move into hike therapy, and uh, which point we see that Bojack is climbing the mountain, Michael. He's climbing a mountain, and the name of that mountain is Metaphor Mountain. Of course it is, because what else are they <laughs> going to call it? It's not just a physical pain, it's a metaphor as well. In the montage, lovely stuff. Tiny little wooden sign there that just says Metaphor Mountain. That's Great brilliant. stuff. There's also, as we go into art therapy, we learn a little bit more about the group of people Bojack is with. We see David, who you may or may not remember, Michael, is from the Snatch Batch, of course. Uh, Alexi Brosofino and all his friends. Well, yes. David is the one who looks a lot like or seems a lot like Johnny Drama from uh, Entourage. He is in rehab. He's currently painting a vase in art therapy, uh, as you'll see him. Um, I, I, then, I miss I miss show. I hope show's all right. <laughs> Well, if you wait long enough, Michael, you might just find out. Oh. Inspirational signs, though, that are in this art therapy class as well can be seen on the wall. There was one I just couldn't quite read, but the rest of them are as follows. There's one that says, the heart is the brain of the chest and the tongue is the heart of the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that says, avoiding mistakes is an epic fail. One more that says, when words are blurted, feelings get hurted. <laughs> There's another one. This is the one I couldn't quite read all the way. It says, Ego is just an, and it looks like it says addiction or addictive, and then something else, but you can't, I'm assuming you can't catch the bottom of the post. I'm not assuming. You can't catch the bottom of it, yeah. but I don't know what the rest of it said. Um, then there's the one last one at the side that says, drink in art, followed quickly by a sign below that says, no eating or drinking in the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> Make up your mind, people. Pick a lane. Anyway, we go from art therapy into visiting therapy. Uh, and you'll see a few cute bits here. You'll see the wife of a monkey man who is who um, the family comes to visit him, and his wife is sort of comes to to see him, just picking things out of his hair and eating them the way that a monkey would, obviously in a zoo, mm -hmm. like just um, cleaning him up. I think it's fair to say. We also see Michael that come to visit David is the entire snatch batch who've come to visit him, and I just <laughs> popped in to say hello, including Show, of course, because <laughs> where would we be without Show, the stupid piece of? Sh 
<laughs> we also get, as you will see, which is mentioned later on in the episode and comes to light, um, you will see that McCaitlin, as you so wonderfully pointed out, who is a female a, a female Asian tiger mosquito, Michael, for anybody who wants to know, mm. who is the friend of Jameson, has come to visit, and if you're paying attention, she can be seen giving her the bottle of water on the sly uh, before we actually find out that she's yes. been getting the vodka water all along. Uh, she also has a top that she's wearing that is written in the font of the Fila brand, uh, but it just says Fleek across the top, which I thought was <laughs> uh, But we go from there into there's plant therapy and yoga therapy, nothing additional to add there, but then we get a horse therapy. And as you mentioned, there's a real great irony about all this because normally horse therapy would be someone just going to see a horse riding a horse, stroking a horse, whatever it might be, feeding the horse. But in this case, uh, the horse therapy is a horse, Bojack, in a stable, sitting on a chair made of hay stacks that have been put together, which is essentially his like uh, fainting um, couch thing that he's on. But is also getting his horse therapy from the therapist, Dr. Champ, who is there <laughs> asking him questions. Two horses in the stable, really good stuff, this. Um we go from there, they went to the group therapy room once again, and you will see another familiar face. Uh, one of, if you may recall, back in season four, episode seven, uh, where Mr. Peanut Butter's house falls underground in the episode, believe it or not, called Underground. Um, Princess Carol and Todd meet, meet a bunch of ant people down there, don't they? That's the whole mm. ant community, with Queen Antonia, of course, being the woman who leads them all and, and basically ends up brokering that deal between Princess Carolyn, Todd, and the ants. But one of her ant guards, I guess we'll call them, ant personnel, uh, is actually also <laughs> sitting sitting in therapy, uh, in the group therapy session with Bojack and the rest, as well as Show, who was eventually joined in. <laughs> of course he has, Michael. He's Show. What, what else is oh. he going to do? So he and David are both sat in the same therapy session as well, which is brilliant. I feel like it's only a matter of time until the other two join him as well. Yeah. Um, we go to reception, though, from there. And we get uh, the board of photos that you mentioned behind the receptionist. Um, I did take a screenshot of them. Uh, now, there's a, you can obviously see Sarah Lynn in the middle, which is what we kind of um, we get shown a bit closer in detail, which is what sets Bojack off a little bit for him to try and actually take rehab a bit more seriously when he initially first isn't engaging in the rehab. He sees the picture, and that's when the, the montage is in, starts to change, and he starts to improve because mm. he remembers what it's all about. Um, but on there... I was having a look to see if there was anything I could see, anybody else. Now, I'm sure there's a few of us who probably have um, relevance, but uh, shout out to uh, Bojack Hidden Jokes, who managed to get the inside scoop from Maureen Cure, who uh, was the person who designed the Polaroid board that you can actually see in the reception area. Um, not only Sarah Lynn can be spotted on that board, but according to Cure, there's also Lindsay Lohan there and Matthew Perry, who you can find. Uh, Lindsay Lohan is uh, three and two, and Matthew Perry is four and six, if you look at them in the rows across and down. But also, if you look around, there's definitely some familiar-looking faces on there. So I didn't go through and pick them all, but if you have any you spot and think, maybe that could be X, Y, or Z, maybe let us know. At Podcast Horseman, there are lots of them. The one I will say that maybe was intended there's a blowfish person who's there with the, the receptionist and i just have a funny feeling that's meant to be johnny depp because of the way he describes him as being bloated and puffy faced and ah, like yes yeah and i did wonder if maybe that was the joke there but i can't be sure but do let us know if you spot anybody else you think you might have spotted on that board at podcast horseman please do let us know 
Uh, we go from there, though, back to horse therapy once again with Bojack and Dr. Champ. And Michael, I just wanted to give a shout out to Dr. Champ because he's doing some fantastic work. Not not much, be- uh, not least because he comes up with extremely catchy sayings that you and I are probably going to take with us for life, I would imagine. Specifically this one, which was a personal favourite. We want what our addictions want us to want. In the same way that our future is just a house built from the materials of our present on the blueprint that is our past. <laughs> <laughs> nice and succinct. You'll be yeah. able to take that one with you wherever you go, and I look forward to you rattling that after the kids in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> Ridiculous gag, this, but very great commentary on that sort of quick fix therapy that I think a lot of people um, may have associated when it comes to therapy. Sometimes not long term solutions, just short term catchphrases and money grabbing. There's definitely a commentary yeah. they're trying to make about this, isn't there? Uh, mm. Throughout the whole episode. Very interesting indeed. We go across to the art therapy session, though, and it's Bojack and everybody painting in a room. They've all got the paints. As you mentioned, there's a bunch of celebrities in there who are kind of like in and out. Um, and the ones who obviously paid off um, Jameson's father in the in the, in the the past. So we're still seeing a few of them dotted around here. Some hilarious ones, though. We get Jay Hernandez in here who's dressed up like Mario. Um, <laughs> he's got the red jumper on. He's got denim overalls on. But obviously when Bojack calls him out for being Jay Hernandez in disguise and like sort of practicing there for an upcoming role, he says, no, 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 no. My name is Mario, directed by Zack Snyder. I'm addicted to pain pills from breaking too many bricks on my head. (laughs) 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 Which is just such a cute gag. But now I also am very worried that someone is going to make that film and there's going to be a really serious version of Mario, which would which would be awful. Um, but then there's also <laughs> a brilliant gag where they talk about um, Gene Triplehorn, who is pretending to be Joan Triplehorn, which is just Gene wearing glasses. And obviously, for anybody who may be familiar or may not be familiar with Gene Triplehorn, um, the, what, where I know her from personally is she played Uli in New Girl, uh, who was Russell's ex-wife before uh, Russell gets with Jess. If you remember all these, Russell is the old handsome man who has oh yes yes and is his wife who's like doing the workout and she's like getting turned on at the thought of Russell yeah. and all that stuff that's uh gene Triplehorn, and that's where i know her from but i just thought it was great the way they, they just got her with a pair of glasses on she's going no i'm definitely <laughs> i tell you who's not an alcoholic that gene Triplehorn. <laughs> <laughs> really great stuff um and also i'm sure one of many new girl cast members who have actually featured in this show um because obviously we had the brilliant Jake Johnson, who features as Oxnard. That's his name. I forgot what his name was for a second there. Um, but from there, we go to Bojack's room inside Pastiches. And on the wall, you will see a great painting, Michael, uh, of Vincent van Gogh. Of course, nice. not Very Vincent good. van Gogh. Uh, but the, the painting itself does actually mimic van Gogh's self-portrait that he did back in 1889, just in case anybody was curious. And also on the book, uh, and shout out to, oh, I've forgotten who it is. I, well, I'm not going to have that name in hand because I'm not a genius. But if you were the person who said that they felt like the ending of season five might have been reminiscent of Of Mice and Men during our season five recap, well, maybe it was because on the bookshelf, Michael, uh, in Bojack's room, is a book called Of Mice and Other Mice. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Like which I thought was very yeah. cute but also a, a bit of a coincidence that it was also in the room there maybe there's more to that theory than first meets the eye we go to the horse and round flashback though and I mentioned it at the start of this because I couldn't help myself but brilliant line from Bojack there holy shit 
I've heard of being at the end of my rope, but this is ridiculous. As he looks at the bunch of bedsheets that are tied together, hanging out the window where Sarah Lynn slash Sabrina has clearly escaped the room. Um, just a shout out to international supermodel Cindy Crawfish, Michael, of course, who is meant yeah. to be Cindy Crawford. Uh, if anybody didn't quite get the gist, if you didn't get the gist, I'm not really sure where you were. <laughs> but <laughs> felt like it was pretty obvious, but I, you know, it's the job, that's what I'm going to do. Um, but also, um, if you should talk about transition shots, we get the, the burned film, but one of the transition shots we get is from an episode of Horsing Around to like on the set of Horsing Around. And then in that transition, we get the clapperboard that you would see on set uh, mm. that comes snapping down to sort of say the end of the scene. And just on that clapperboard, we get a quick pause and you can get everything that's on there. So you can get the production is Horsing Around, the director is Herb Kazaz, camera is number two. Uh, the day that this is being filmed is the 7th of the 12th 1989, or is it the 12th of the 7th, 1989? Because this is America, Michael, and they do mm, the dates yeah, wrong yeah. around. So it's either the 7th of December or the 12th of July. Is that right? Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Hey, I'm quite impressed. Right, yeah, 12th of July. Uh, you Americans do it all back and front, don't you, anyway? <laughs> um, then there's also scene 18C, which is obviously the scene they're filming, but I've also take six, Michael, because of course it is. They're never going to get it in the can in the yeah. first when you're filming Horsing Around. We go back to Bojack's room, though, and we get a twist on the funny line from Horsing Around, of course, when Bojack realises this isn't uh, a TV show, this is actually real life. He says, holy shit, I've heard of being at the end of my rope, but this is very serious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, as he's just trained someone to escape a goddamn <laughs> rehabilitation centre, this sneaky little bugger. Anyway, speaking of which, we go outside of Pastiche's um, there's a few little car gags here. We get a rule of three where there's some cars driving past until eventually the third one picks up uh, Jameson and Bojack and takes him away. The car that drives past initially has got a license plate on it that reads LCNSPLT, which is, of course, license plate in license plate speak. There's also um, another car drive past that has the license plate Derb Girl on it. D E R B G A L. Not really sure what that was. If any thoughts on it, please do let us know. At Podcast Horseman and the final car that picks her up in the end that comes and gets her and Bojack is one that says O-O-X-O, which I've just written shrug. It could be two hugs, <laughs> a kiss and a hug. That's what I got from it, but it's definitely not that. Uh, thoughts on a postcard at Podcast Horseman. Also, shout out to the graffiti on the stop sign by the road that is the graffiti for the gang, I assume, called Greatest Danes, which we've definitely seen before. It was yeah. down on that little where Grease Lightning was filmed and Bojack was trying to do the dodgy drug deal, I'm sure Greatest Danes was written across one of the walls down there. Um, We go to the house party uh, where Jameson and Bojack head off to outside. Again, you'll see another car on a drive, one with a license plate, J-A-M-R-53 or J-A-M-R-S-3. Jammers 3 or Jammer 53, who knows? Didn't get anything for that, just thought I'd tell you. Um, <laughs> there's also a guy who, a seal person, who is balancing a keg on their nose, Michael, and uh, while balancing on a keg, very much in a sort of seal at the circus type deal, um, and with a kiss from a rose, is pouring drinks <laughs> to the left and pouring drinks to the right. It's great for everyone. Um, he's absolutely killing it, mate. Um, but He's never going to survive unless he gets he's a little He's never going to survive. Never going to survive. But... There's also, in the background of that, behind him, do you remember last week, or the week before, whenever it was, when we did this, and we were talking about the end of season 
five where Princess Carolyn is driving her car and a skunk person walks out in front of her car. Yes. Texting. Well, they can be seen in the background with another woman uh, vaping Michael outside, <laughs> which I guess kind of makes sense because you've got to yeah. blow that lovely smell and vape smoke to get rid of all the skunk smells that would be going on. <laughs> I thought it was quite a cute little gag. Uh, inside the house party, though, there's a great painting on the wall uh, of Frida Koala, Michael, rather than Frida Carlo, the famous nice, artist. Nice. Lovely little take on that. Um, and on the drinks cabinet, you'll also see a bunch of variations of drinks, some familiar, some less so. One is called Potato Juice Vintage Vodka. One is called, which I loved, uh, probably my favourite out of these ones, Grey Moose Vodka, like, <laughs> instead of Grey Goose, which has already got the animal in it, which I thought was quite funny that they changed it anyway. Jack Spaniel's Whiskey instead of Jack Daniel's, which we've definitely seen before. There's some silver tequila. There's one, and there's also one called, we think it's Bevy Royal. That's mm -hmm. what we've settled on. It's hand. It's like a handwritten label. It's meant yeah. to be Crown Royal, the, the kind of whiskey. Um, but it looks like Bevy Royal, but we can't really say for sure because it's one of those where it's squiggly handwriting. If anybody's got any advances on Bevy Royal, we assumed it was just like Bevy beverage drink because I did mention Commonwealth whiskey at the bottom, which we thought was maybe yeah. high in. Maybe not. Let us know if you have any better ideas at Podcast Horseman. Um, but also some real medicine stuff going on in this room. Other than the um, the vodka bottle, which shows the same star pattern as we see in the planetarium, uh, Michael, as we've kind of seen there, becomes a theme in this episode. Uh, we also get it at the end of the episode. There's a real haunting moment in the party where Bojack sees the drink and is looking around and they deliberately uh, silhouette the people around and you see them all laughing, having a good time. And the way they silhouette them, obviously very similar to Sarah Lynn and he enjoying and partying up against... Mm planetarium screen yeah it's just their silhouettes you see that and then you see the screen the stars inside the drink it's very well done this but it really does look menacing similar to when bojack has the party at his house and things are all going a bit wrong if you remember right there's those beautiful shots yeah going spectacularly wrong only this time he's sober so it all looks a bit darker and a bit more menacing uh we get a, fl a flashback at the house party though of course which we is where we can see young bojack who's at a house party when he's younger um Couple of things, yeah. There's a, well, just the one, really, but there's a the guy who, there's a seagull man who uh, offers Bojack a beer, and on the beer, creators, 80s beer, Michael. So just in case <laughs> you weren't sure where we were, but also shout out to the guy, the seagull man himself, with the flock of seagulls type haircuts, you know, the, the good. sides good. up and the front down. Um, of course, very much like the band, flock of seagulls, of course, of the time, and all leather jacketed up. There's a very good aesthetic in this episode. And I'm sure I was back then too. I'm sure my old man used to have that haircut, you know, back then. <laughs> uh, but we go back to the house party in present day. And um, as you mentioned, McCaitlin is cheating with Dathan. By the way, the way they've done this with the names is really great. There's such a commentary here on like modern era names. Uh, like yeah. Dathan being a twist on Nathan, of course. McCaitlin being like a play. <laughs> Caitlin and Michaela. Like all those typical names, but people have brought them into the 21st century and like 20. Well, it was 2019, 2019 this season came out, I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just, I thought there's a real like American youth commentary. I don't know what it is, but they deliberately make these names so close to normal names, but just a bit different. Um, but McCaitlin, whenever she is indeed kissing Dathan, <laughs> great name, <laughs> um, she keeps leaving these little mosquito bites on him because she's a mosquito. So he's got like these lumps all around his neck and his face and stuff, which he starts itching in the middle of talking that, um, 
talking to Jameson, which I thought was very good. Um, outside again, though, when we left the house party, you will see, Michael, some familiar faces have turned up once again to not to spoil the party, but to steal from it. The celebrities oh, steal. Get in. Back once again, they are stealing more art, and they've just wandered into the house, Michael, and taken the beautiful Frida Koala painting, and they've oh. walked with it and stolen it. Presumably, their house must look pretty damn great at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I say that, that wouldn't make any sense, because why would you steal the art if you weren't going to sell it? Come on, Adam, <laughs> be a criminal better, God damn it. Anyway, we go to, as I've called it here, Michael, the big phone call. The big phone call between our five favourite guys and gals in the show. When we see Diane's little panel when she's on the phone, we can see in the background she's obviously at a motel, uh, but outside this giant motel sign and beneath it are two cats, Michael, having a knife, fa- knife fight outside <laughs> her house. They're sort of holding each other at knife point and then we sort of disappear from them and then the next time we see them, uh, they've kind of made up, they've made up, they've, they've dropped the knives and they're hugging yeah. out. By the hugging it out, <laughs> and the guy who's closest to us, you can see, has a one of these sort of denim jacket cutoffs with no arms, just the waistcoat of the denim jacket, essentially, mm. and a patch on the back. And the patch reads Nine Lives to Live." <laughs> Very good. Very good. As opposed to that one life, <laughs> nine lives. Do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> There's also brilliantly when Todd is in Porcupine Town trying to get the black market porcupine milk. God, that's a godful. I'm sure it is, if you're a porcupine. Um, <laughs> as we see in the background, there's a bus pulls up with all the porcupines on that Todd is about to get on, and it's called the Porcupine, Michael, because it's nice. a bus, and it's a bus line. You see what's Very happening good. here? It's all good stuff. Um, as Todd gets on the said bus, though, is the exact same point where Mr. Peanut Butter comes into the call, and as a result, the visual gag is it knocks all of the other lines of the panels of the other people in the call <laughs> together, which seemingly squashes Todd on the bus with all the other porcupines at the same time. And he's wedged in courtesy of Mr. Peanut put a barging onto the call, which I thought was a lovely bit. Similar to, again, that skunk uh, who walks in front yeah. of Carolyn's car. And then we see it looks like it almost walked out of uh, Sadie, <laughs> who's given birth at the time. Um, but unfortunately now it's time for me to try and tackle a tongue twister, Michael. Um, I've been waiting for this. I've been excited I'm for this. Sure you have. Well, this is a difficult one. Because after Mr. Peanut Butter's very, how do we put this, um, convoluted, I think it's fair to say, <laughs> Princess Carolyn, after she's had all of this explained to, paint, to her by Peanut Butter, says the following. Oh, say your prayers and eat your vitamins. Here we go. <clears throat> she says, wait, you're telling me your dumb drone downed a tower and drowned downtown Julie Brown's dummy drumming, dum 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 dum, dowsing her newly found goose down, hand me down gown. <sighs> I'll be right down. Well done. Well done. Fly out of the season. One take. One take, everyone. One, one take. take. One Great. take. Great. I didn't practice it at all, I swear. Um, <laughs> oh, God. They always give me such such great sense of momentum at the end <laughs> and feeling and positivity. But do I have to wrap my tongue around them once? Anyway, we go from Princess Carol. Imagine being Amy Sedaris and reading the new script every single time. <laughs> we go to Jameson's house, though, from there. And arguably, Michael, the real creme de la creme of this week's episode of Horsing Around, or edition, should we say, of Horsing Around. We go to Jameson's house, and of course, her father has got a bunch of collectible memorabilia from various different films. How many could they squash into a film, into an episode, Adam, you ask? Oh, well, let me tell you, Michael, a bloody lot is the answer to that <laughs> question. And we're going to go through them all one by one and let you know what is available. So you can see in this room, you can see the pram 
from The Untouchables. For anybody who's ever seen The Untouchables, that famous scene at the station. They've got the pram there, one of the props that he has in the house. We also have, as you mentioned, the car from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Famous car, you will all know. In the background, there's also a poster, Michael, that's for Two Cats, Two Furious. Nice. <laughs> Which is a great little one. Not the first uh, poster that's been changed. More on that in just a second. We also get a mannequin of from the film Jaws. But of course, Michael, this is Bojack Horseman. So it is just a shark person in a t-shirt that says Jaws, which is excellent. <laughs> um, we also get the baseball bat from The Natural, the film. As you mentioned, you were sure it was from something. Well, yes, it is. And even better than that, we get a moment where Jameson is doing a bit of dialogue as she picks it up. She says, got rid of all my softball trophies, but he loves his stupid bat naturally. Very good. Of course, because it's the natural, you see? You see what they're you doing? Done, oh, and we didn't stop there, though, because you also have the club, the famous club from the First Wives Club is also in the background. Another thing <laughs> uh, I think gets used to smash up the car. There's also a poster behind uh, in the background on a different part of the house um, for Alpacalypse Now, as opposed to <laughs> Apocalypse Now. That's Alpacalypse Now, because, of course, it is. This is all about Bojack Horseman and animal puns. Just uh, down from that, you can also see, I believe, it's the sorting hat from Harry Potter. The, like, brown oh, okay. sort hat face on it. You don't actually see a label uh, like you do with most of the other things, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Either that or it's a really weird-looking mask that I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, there is also, um, next or below all of that on the floor, there is a little bit of uh, carpet, Michael which you might notice, I think you might have even referenced this, in the season five finale, it's a little bit of carpet from the Overlook Hotel in The Shining, the little yeah. pattern outside the room that you'll see, the very famous carpet from The Shining. That's just a little like strip of it on the floor. Um, there's also the golden idol head, which you'll see in the background from Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, for anybody who's a fan of Indiana Jones, of course. Brilliantly, though, again, Jameson does another gag where as she goes to pick that head up to smash the car with it, she takes the little bag of, like, sand or rocks or whatever it is to, like, successfully remove the head and put it on as the ma the makeshift <laughs> weight. She, like, puts it on there first, smashes the car with the head, and then smashes the car with the bag as well. <laughs> really cute stuff. Um, and then we get also in the background, there's the bench and a little box of chocolates, Michael, of course, from Forrest Gump that um, Bojack and Jameson's course, dad yeah. both nice. end up sitting down on when they have a bit of a heart-to-heart, -heart, which is quite a cute little scene. Uh, there's also, the, as mentioned by Jameson's father, the giant window from The Graduate, which is the window <laughs> that gets smashed by the reverse in Ferris Bueller's Day Off car. God damn it, it's all starting to get on top of it. There's one that I haven't confirmed definitely, but I'm fairly certain it is. There's a spiral staircase in the house, which believe it or not, is from the film, in my opinion, The Spiral Staircase, Michael, which is, <laughs> seems fairly Sorry, If you see images of it, it has been done almost identical to that very staircase. Um, there's also uh, a poster, as I mentioned earlier, that's also been changed. It uh, reads Crane instead of usually reading Cane, Michael, because this is a poster for Citizen Crane, the actual crane animal on the poster, which would normally be Citizen Cane's face. And underneath that, Almost as if they were like, maybe they won't get it. There's like a little sled below it uh, that's propped up against the wall. Um, <laughs> just in case you didn't. Do you get it? Do you get it? Well, now you get it. Obviously, if you've seen Citizen Kane, you will know what we're talking about. There's also on a shelf uh, a stapler from the film Office Space. And along with that is uh, Wilson from the film Cast Away the Ball, of course. Nice. Wilson. And 
One last little one that isn't technically from a film. They've done a clever little twist here. So when they're smashing up the car, uh, Jameson is using a bunch of different things, uses bats, uses all sorts. One thing she pulls out is Thor's hammer. Now, anybody who knows any of the Marvel films or indeed any of the Marvel comic books will know what Thor's hammer Mjolnir looks like. And she sort of smashes the car with his hammer and then tucks it away. And you probably think, oh, yeah, it's the Thor films or it's Avengers or whatever you would associate that with. But then when we see another shot later on of the stand that it was on, it reads Throg instead of Thor. Now, I didn't actually know this, but and you won't have known this either, mate, because you couldn't give a shit about comics. But um, <laughs> we find out it's not Thor's hammer. It is, in fact, Throg's hammer. And I thought it was just a cute gag they were doing. But Throg is actually a legit Marvel Comics superhero who is very similar to Thor, but is just a frog. So they've obviously decided... Oh, lush. Choose the superhero character that is frog and animal-related as opposed to the typical Thor. And Sounds that's good. the deep cut in there. I mean, wonderful stuff. I've never noticed that before, ever. And it's That's just brilliant. such an absurdly deep dive, but it makes perfect sense in the world of Bojack Horseman. Um, we go quickly to the flashback uh, when Bojack goes to walk in on his father, who is obviously about to do the deed with the uh, secretary of his or whatever. And brilliantly, when he, Bojack is reciting the nasty thing that um, his mom basically said to tell him, uh, when he enters the room, or before he enters the room, if you look on the lunchbox, or the dinner box, I guess this is, that um, Beatrice has made for Butterscotch, there's just a note on it, slapped on the top, that, that reads, Bojack, uh, tell him the thing I said, with an exclamation mark on it. <laughs> <laughs> you can just see an angry Beatrice writing that on. Not telling him what to say, just saying, tell him that thing I said. Um, we go from there, back door to Jameson's house, um, and when brilliantly, when the car from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is obviously moving backwards as it does in the film, and it looks like it's about to go out the window, Bojack goes, chicka chicka, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to, of course, a play on the song, Oh Yeah, by Yella from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Usual, do, bum, bum, chicka chicka, oh yeah. Anyway, <laughs> last one here, we go back to Pastiche's. And outside of Pastiche's, you will see one last bit of film, I guess, memorabilia, because Jameson's dad brilliantly has dropped her off, Michael, in the car from the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> Which, even as he leaves, makes the wonderful sound effect of the legs scrambling away. Brilliant stuff. Um, but that is it for this week's edition of Horsing Around. Uh, a good start to season mm. one. Season one? I don't think so. Season six, episode one, even. We'll get it right there eventually. Um, but I am being told that we do still have time for one last thing, Michael. And then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go first, if that's all right, because it's yeah. just a, a small narrative detail that I really quite liked in this one. Um, we see a, a house that we would later learn, of course, is only really full a film memorabilia due to them being guilt or apology gifts, I guess, sent mm -hmm. to Jameson's dad. But I'm really impressed with it's just a minor thing. Bojack is typically fairly unmoved by wealth. He's got loads. It's said explicitly how much he's got in this episode because he shifts two hundred thousand dollars in for twelve weeks of rehab and he just does it without he's giving it a it, Money is been limitless as long as we've known Bojack's character in the show. Yet he is wowed by the film props, these pieces of 
like some of them are obviously pieces of Americana. They're all part of like the rich history of cinema, I guess. Mm. And that is able to stop Bojack in his tracks. I thought it was quite nice that it's something that, you know, like we forget sometimes because we're locked into the personal life of Bojack that this is a professional life that he kind of aspires to have more of than he's ever quite managed to get. He, of course, the thirst was to become a star when he finally became, when he had Secretariat and that was a turning point for him and all that sort of stuff. This was nice. You couldn't illustrate any sort of, I don't know, any particular power that Jameson's father might hold over Bojack through money because mm. we know that Bojack wouldn't show any respect or any adoration. Film memorabilia, things that mean something to him, straight away he's wowed his eyes go wider he tries to stop her destroying the car because he sees value in that car more than he would have yeah. done a stack of cash yeah you almost forget this part don't you that he's he's an actor and he mm. he's inspired to be respected as an actor you know he was just a guy he was just a horse on a horse and around for a very yeah. very long time and his peers are fellow actors and there's a rich tapestry as you might as you mentioned there which he would certainly be in awe of, you would imagine. Any any actor who would be mm. worth a salt, I guess, would feel that way because there's got to be a reason why you want to do it and you must have had to see somebody doing it. So the idols as well, it feels like people though maybe he couldn't, he wouldn't be able to interact with. Interact with. So this is an interesting thing to him to see mm. all the wealth of stuff that this random guy has that he doesn't and couldn't have, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no matter how much money he's got, which I guess is where that sort of admiration comes from. Um, I've technically got two here. Um, okay. One is one I will claim myself, but one I just thought was too good to leave out, which came up during a bit of a deeper dive research into the episode. So for me, um, as we mentioned already in this episode, during that lovely montage, Bojack is trying to get up that mountain, isn't he? And uh, we get the wonderful reveal, of course, that the name of the mountain is Metaphor Mountain, Michael. You know, the mountain is a metaphor. How on earth are you going to climb it? Oh, he gets to the top of the end, but is he really going to get to the top of that mountain? Who knows? Well, this reminded me, Michael, of um, season two, episode one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, remember back to Bojack listening to his motivational tapes where the sun rises in his bedroom and he's sitting mm. on his bed and there's that voice that's sort of saying, today is this and it's, you know, all these motivational quotes. Again, there was a very specific sort of mocking of this motivational, these motivational audio books and stuff, wasn't that? The, mm. the narrative that was coming from them was very wishy-washy, a bit like the way that therapy's kind of been presented here so far as maybe not being true to itself. Um, yeah. But brilliantly, there's that moment in season two, episode one, where the tape actually says to Bojack, uh, you are a metaphor. You are literally... A metaphor everything <laughs> is a metaphor and then for to come so full circle four seasons later and we find that he's literally on metaphor mountain <laughs> uh, and also once again find himself having to well running up that hill if you will and mm -hmm. um, putting to use all of the old skills that he was taught by the baboon which he has seemingly forgotten about i guess uh, back in season two because never has it been more important to know that it it's what is it it gets a little easier every day yeah. but you've got to do it every day or whatever every it is every day yeah every day well here he is back running up that hill michael um but i guess this one ties in quite nicely because this i stumbled across this uh, on the imdb page of all place, places for this episode and i just thought it was worth mentioning because it's quite interesting so the rehab center 
which kind of fits into what I was talking about. Yeah, the rehab center is obviously called Pastiches Rehab Center, um, mm. and as the I know this is all a bit sort of grade schooly, but it does feel like it fits. Um, they do the old well. Here's what here's what pastiches is in the Oxford Dictionary, but it does kind of work. A pastiche is an artistic work in a style that imitates that of another work, artist, or period. And it says, yeah, this may be a reference to the facades put on by the inhabitants of the centre, and most of them, of course, themselves, who all work in the artistic world. There are quite a lot of them, mm. at least. Uh, so we see the actors are in there specifically. You know, we get like uh, Jay Hernandez and um, Gene Triplehorn. And it just yeah. felt like an interesting comedy to go on there. But also, I like this. The fact that pastiches, in a push, I guess, could sound a bit like past issues. Oh, very nice, yeah. Which I thought was just good really, catch. really good, good catch. catch. Too good to turn down for an episode of yeah. Podcast Horseman. I think you can agree. Past issues, man. I just thought that was really, like really good. That. Really, really, really like good. So, so lots to dig into in the name of the actual uh, rehabilitation centre. God, I'm going to get keep stumbling over rehabilitation centre throughout <laughs> the whole time. We have to talk about that in this episode and this season undoubtedly but that is everything now we've made it to the end of the first episode of season six michael i'm very excited for where we're going to go but right now you're not going to go anywhere what you're going to do is you are going to go and give us a follow on social media that's what you're going to do if you want to do so if you don't want to do it anyway maybe you'll feel better afterwards who knows um, follow this podcast on social media at podcast horseman twitter or instagram for that you can also if you've enjoyed it follow either of your hosts on Twitter or Instagram too. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas and you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. And you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts where we'd love you to subscribe or follow on Spotify where you can follow pretty much anywhere we get podcasts. You can get Podcast Horsemen, including on that our Podcast Horsemen Twitter feed. Every Friday, a brand new episode goes up. You can stream it through the link that goes in there. You can um, subscribe through Acast, however you like. You can get us and we'd love it if you would. And as we mentioned at the start of this episode, we will be returning to our five-star reviews this season. Um, for those that may not remember from some of our previous seasons, if you want to leave us a five-star review, we will leave you a star on a Hollywood talk of fame. You can see what some of the old stars look like through our Instagrams and various other socials. And we've got a new one for this episode. Uh, the review is from... I don't know if this is a word or these are just a series of letters. It's Julie JS, but that's D-U-L-Y-J-S, D-U-L-Y-J-S. Uh, the title of the five-star review is Men Are Idiots, as, a review, <laughs> as follows. A really good Bojack Horseman podcast from a couple of men who seem quite ashamed to be men. Thank you very much for that review. And, like, in truth, like, thanks for listening closely, I guess. I'm not sure that I would lean specifically on ashamed but i think it's good for bojack horseman the show to get um us as men as host of this podcast but as the other male listeners of this podcast to get maybe thinking about our side of the fence and the things that maybe aren't done right and the things that are done wrong certainly to women we get it obviously through the prism of hollywood but i think that's a, a reasonable take on sometimes our assessment of men in hollywood and certainly the ones that presented in bojack horseman Look, I can imagine there are plenty of times when you listen to this podcast and me and you are going, the men in Hollywood are stupid pieces of shit. <laughs> but, but then again, we are just reviewing the show, man, and that's exactly yeah. what they are. So when they are presented that way, unfortunately, you've got to go with the facts, although I do understand exactly where this commentary is coming about. But hey, I'm, I'm more than happy to have the conversation about why we suck. 
I'm all right with that. That's what <laughs> yeah. that's, Bojack Horseman isn't, but I certainly am. It's all good, <laughs> baby, baby. Anyway. Well, regardless of that, I should say as well, thank you very much for that review. Mm. And uh, a star will be winging its way to you coming very soon through the socials. It will. I will not be ashamed to give you a star for that <laughs> analysis this short. And very true, I would assume, at certain points, undoubtedly. Um, but yeah, before we do uh, shoot off, thank you again to everybody who's been joining us for the show so far. Um, we are, of course, on the final season of mm. podcast Horseman. Uh, so please do continue to keep the community going for as long as possible because we've only got, well, after this, there'll be 15 episodes of the season ago. Yeah. It's not gonna. It's gonna go by quick, man. Just oh, well, great. for you maybe. For us, <laughs> it'll be long. <laughs> Nights will be long, and the days will be cold. But it's gonna be a good ride, no matter what. So please do, by all means, continue to let us know your favorite bits of the season so far. What you're liking, what you're not liking about the show, both BoJack and Podcast Horseman. We're always open to those conversations, and let's just keep talking ourselves, horse, about the talking horse, once more with feeling for this final season. Anyway. Let's jump quickly to the synopsis for next week's episode before we leave you. And it's season six, episode two, and it will be The New Client. When her nanny quits, Princess Carolyn struggles to balance the demands of work and parenting. My Mr. Peanut Butter visits Bojack in rehab. And if I recall correctly, I'm sure this is an episode I remember thinking, ah, so that's what it's like to be Michael Hamflet. <laughs> yes this but is, if you want to know what that's in reference to you'll have to come back next week to find out exactly that for the next episode of both Bojack Horseman and indeed Podcast Horseman until then I've been Adam Nicholas I've been Michael Hamflet and this has been Podcast Horseman Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.